1: moving on ahead, but everything's out to the right, there's nothing in the
2: middle, although Purchase is battling to get there, and has Purchase! Goal!
0: Hi and welcome to episode number 63 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name is Sam Davis and with me standing by is Jeff Hayward. He's got his face behind his hands, staring out between the cracks of his fingers, thinking to himself, Sam, am I really going to have to dissect that drab nil-nil? Yes, you do, Jeff. And we're going to be doing it shortly. Nil-nil against Norwich at the Vitality. A poor game, but we're going to somehow go over it. Take in your fans thoughts I do have some audio from the game But there weren't many high points So we may play some out Plus we preview next weekend's match At Vicarage Road as well Against Watford And a repeat of last season's 4 nil Would be nice wouldn't it Now of course we usually start the show With a piece of iconic cherries commentary Saturday didn't really provide that, did it? So we put out a tweet last night actually asking for some magical AFCB commentary of yesteryear to be played. Had loads of suggestions. The first one was Fletcher's goal versus Grimsby. I don't actually have that to hand. It's on a USB somewhere. I will find it. Uh, But we went with Keith Brewer who went for Stephen Purchase's goal against Lincoln in the playoff final at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. What a counter-attacking goal. That was simply beautiful. But first, a question for you. How does the offer of free beer appeal to you? Well it does to me. If so, prick up your ears as we've teamed up with Beer fifty two to offer back of the net listeners who are over the age of eighteen a cheeky offer where you can enjoy ten, count them, ten on the VIDI printer, T E N Craft Beers at no cost to you all you need to do is cover the delivery of less than a fiver £4.95 in fact there's one link you need and it is beer52.com slash afcb just to tell you a little bit about it if you've not heard of beer 52 before they are beer pioneers and the world's most popular craft beer discovery club They deliver eight craft beers to your doorstep with different themes every month. It's usually 24 quid, but you can actually get it free on your first month. Past themes have included California, Belgium, Amsterdam and even Norway to name but a few. Um, now, I said eight beers before, but you'll know I said ten, right? Uh, well, that's true. For the next two weeks only, anyone who signs up via our special link will get two extra beers in your first delivery. The link is beer52.com AFCB. Now, please note, Beer 52 don't hold you to ransom, so you can leave at any time. And as I said, the first round of beers that you get is free. You just need to cover the Fiverr postage. Um, Also, in your first pack, we'll include a copy of the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the month's beer theme, which I believe is Korea. Uh, Plus, you'll receive a cheeky snack too. So yeah, first month is free. Cancel at any time. That's not bad, is it? AFCB fans, that one is just for you, courtesy of Back of the Net enjoy your free beers and to get them head to beer52.com slash afcb that's beer52.com slash afcb hopefully that's wet your whistle now it's time for another one of these Now, in this week's Do You Remember with AFC Bournemouth, we're going to try to test your brain in a different way with a number of sporting questions rolled into a maths question. Um, Bear with me on this one, but it does work. Okay, here's how it works. I want you to take the number of this question. In the match that James Hayter scored the fastest ever league hat-trick, how many goals did Bournemouth beat Wrexham by? Take that number and multiply it by the following number, which is the total number of goals in our matches versus Watford last season. Home and away in the Premier League. The total number of goals in our matches versus Watford last season. Hopefully you've got that. OK, you've got a number in your head. Next, divide it by the total number of AFC Bournemouth players who represented England under-21s in their last match. That's the total number of AFC Bournemouth players who represented England under-21s in their last match. That's a simple question, isn't it? You should have a number in your head. Hopefully you've got it. And then we'll give you the answer at the end of the show. So, on to Norwich then. Jeff, I'm going to need your help with this. But firstly match audio there's a few chance we'll play some match audio but next we'll also deal with your fans thoughts we spoke to a number of people after the game but also had some submitted via whatsapp afterwards too taking in that beautiful nil nil hey
2: Come on, lads. Rico, call a ball.
0: Rico, put it in.
2: Hi, Ashley here from the main stand. Uh, that was a dreadful game and performance. We're outplayed for large portions of the game by a poor side, I thought. Um, if they'd had anything going forward, we'd have lost quite comfortably. Uh, Two positives from the game. Uh, Only two positives, I thought. The return of Adam Smith, who I thought played well, and the fact we managed to get a point. I thought Cannon Wilson was particularly poor, and I'm not sure he's actually played uh, at all well this season, actually, despite the goals. Fraser's approach play was okay, but his delivery is so poor at the moment. Everyone else, well, uh, they just kind of ran around a lot, didn't they? Ramsdale made a good save towards the end. Um, Rico delivered a couple of... Interesting balls. and That's about it, really. Um, Having said that, I'm not sure anyone should be reading too much into the performance. Uh, Let's just move on, shall we? Uh, Get a win at Watford next week and just forget about it. Thanks. Bye. On the way back from the match, what a flat, abject performance. It was typical. It was the first game I've managed to drag my wife to. Told her there'd be goals galore. Neither team can defend. It took us two and a half hours to get to the game, the M3 shut earlier. It was written in the stars for a nil-nil draw. It was a completely flat performance. I can't believe that Norwich had no centre-backs on the pitch. They had midfielders playing at centre-back and we still couldn't manage any half-decent chances. We missed Jeff in the middle. I'm not really sure how Billing, Cook, Lerma... I, I just, it's not... I don't understand it at the moment. I don't really see where Cook fits into the team with the formation that we're playing... Um, The subs came off the bench. I don't think they made any impact at all. Uh, I don't know. Solanke didn't have a great game. He's desperate for a goal. He he really needs a goal to get his his confidence up. Uh, King and Danjuma came on. They didn't really make much of a difference. I thought the man of the match today was probably Adam Smith or maybe Diego Rico. I thought they were good. Uh, But I'm not sure about this tactic of just slowly building the ball up. Last year, 90% of our goals came from counter-attack, quick, moving f- football at the moment we seem really happy to just wait settle and build up slowly i don't really get it because we don't have that sort of madison or erickson style player that can unlock defenses when they're all pushed back we've got must be one of the quickest front fours in the league we've got both the wilson's fraser i, I just don't get it why are we not doing what we were doing last year and, and breaking forward quickly surely with with king his strength I just, I just don't get it. I really don't understand what we were doing today. I, that is exactly the sort of game that we need to be winning and winning comfortable. Norwich looked very poor. It was a very, very winnable game. So for us to come away with absolutely nothing, no real chances of note. To be honest, I can't even think of anything where we we challenged Tim Krull. I just very, very poor, very, very disappointing.
3: But it was very, very. Uh, it was different pain today. That it was on the pitch. It was very, very. Uh... Painful. We just kind of
2: looked like we didn't have a clue. Uh, at the end, Norris fans were celebrating almost like they won the league. And it kind of, I don't think they thought for a single second that they were going to come down and get a point with us, to be honest. And I don't think they should have. They, they made us look poor. We weren't very good, but at all. Um, but yeah, we looked incredibly poor today. Well, that was a waste <laughs> of my 90 minutes. I'm not entirely sure. Both teams kind of cancelled each other out, I think. It um, was a very, I don't know, just a bit
1: flat. I don't think we had the tempo we normally have. Just didn't really get anything going today. I don't really know what to make of it, if I'm honest, Sam. Um, The first half, I thought, okay, we've had more chances than them. We're going to come out the second half and we're we're going to storm it. But... um, now I'm starting to think, actually, the reason that uh, we had more chances in the first half is because they didn't play well in the first half. I don't think it's going to do with the way that we played. Yeah. In the second half, they were, just seemed like they were all over us. And I looked across the pitch and I thought, who's leading us out there? Who, who wants this game? Who wants this win? I looked around me a bit in the stands and I thought, you know, why are the fans so subdued? Mm. I, it's just one of those days. It just seems so downbeat. I didn't get it.
2: I think um, Pocky was a good player, but we need to start to close him down more. Because he needs to um, our defence needs to um, be more focused and we just need to stop be a bit more clinical in defence and attacking.
0: OK, so there we go. Those were the fans' thoughts from the weekend. And yeah, not so much match audio as I was hoping for. But Jeff, who's with me, Jeff, uh, have, you, um, have you woken up out of your coma yet?
1: Uh, flat, that's how I feel.
0: Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? Um, uh, have you known many more lifeless games than that?
1: Not really. Uh, not this season. It, it felt a bit like Sheffield United again. Um, but in a way a little bit more depressing because I think expectations were here we are we've got four winnable games coming up and this is a home banker particularly after they got stuffed by Villa 5-1 before the international break and as their manager pointed out they didn't have any fit centre backs certainly not by the end of the game anyway so you know missed opportunity Yeah it's
0: a it's a real difficult one to untangle I mean I've not I've not seen any of the highlights yet on Match of the Day and I mean I know we were on last I I almost refused to because it seemed that lifeless and it was like that in the crowd as well um the Norwich fans have been coming on the YouTube channel over the last 24 hours or so saying you know that was probably the worst atmosphere that we've traveled to and um I mean, it was we, uh, but then I think the crowd is often inspired by what happens on the pitch, and it it just wasn't really happening for us. But we'll we'll talk about the uh, team selection. Um, the only surprise, I suppose, was no Jefferson Lerma, but apparently he picked up an injury. Is that right?
1: He's got a hip injury. Apparently, uh, shouldn't keep him out too long, and he should be back next week. And boy, I thought we missed him.
0: Yeah, it didn't. It didn't seem to work with uh, Philip Billing and Lewis Cook. And I've got my reasons for that. Um, I think, well, Lewis Cook seemed to play incredibly deep, especially in the first half. And the problem is we, we effectively, he was playing just in front of the defence. So it was almost like a back five, which left Philip Billing doing having to do a lot of work in the middle, you know, without some kind of partner in crime in the middle. And with Fraser pushing out wide and Harry Wilson on the other, there was a lot of ground for him to cover. And the way that Norwich were packing out the midfield meant that they controlled large sort of chunks of the game. And, um, you know, to be fair, in the final third, they were probably as poor as we were. They got into some decent positions, but it was always that final ball. But, I mean, what were your thoughts on Norwich?
1: I thought they were well organised. I thought they came with a game plan, uh, which was to to pack that midfield. Uh, I think they had three defensive midfield players in that original line-up. Um, and it worked. Um, they they were... Well, put yourself in their position. They got stuffed 5-1. They've lost th- three on the bounce. They wanted to get a point away because they hadn't got one all season quite right. You know, we'd have done the same in their position. Go for a 0-0. Nil, nil. And actually, they could have won it, couldn't they, towards the end?
0: Yeah, they had uh you know arguably the more clear-cut chance in the game. I mean the f- the first half wasn't um sort of laden with chances, but there was that one for Dominic Solanke on his left foot which which went straight to the keeper and um yeah, I mean Ramsdale was called into action in the second half. But um, I mean I'm just looking at the stats here and they had 53% of the possession. Um, mm-hmm. I I can't quite understand that because surely we should have been in in control of that game but how did they have more of the ball
1: i don't know i mean we should have been more on the front foot than we were i think we were a bit too passive um you think about the attitude of the players and wonder were they a bit tired had they not trained enough coming back from the inter- international break because we have got more players on international duty than ever before mm. i guess that's a a mark of success uh however It did feel that the players sort of expected to roll Norwich over and we're not Manchester City quite yet, are we?
0: No, that's right. You know, how is it that we can compete much better against uh more established teams that are well, I mean Everton were on a bit of a bad run, but they're a decent side and always give us a good game and then West Ham as well. Uh they were flying high and you know, we should have won that and you know, we played decent, but it, it's not the result, it's the performance levels that that really worries me now. If we were to go through the side, um there are certain players that seem to always uh, perform well. We're talking Ramsdale, Aké, Cook um, Rico seemed all right uh, positionally. I thought he was he wasn't bad, but his just his delivery this time wasn't as um, on the money as it usually is. And then it was nice to see the return of Adam Smith, wasn't it?
1: I thought Adam did really well. He uh, first came back for a while, and he showed us what we we're missing that sort of dynamism, uh, that aggression that he brings. And I think the fullbacks both got forward pretty well. It was just that final ball, the delivery into the strikers wasn't great mm. um, we had a number of corners I think we had well we had a number of corners in that first half three or four I think in that first half which were just like just sort of dumped into the box hopefully rather than put on there with any pace uh, which was a bit disappointing and just generally I didn't think the combination of Rico and Fraser worked that great I thought you know Fraser Fraser's a, a, a really good player but he didn't really use Rico as an overlap. You know, they were they were doing it always just one player attacking yeah. that that back rather than trying to get past as a as a two on one.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was it was nice to see Rico overlapping because previously it was like he didn't have the confidence to get forward, but now he's been uh, voted player of the month, etc. Uh, he's been contributing to a number of goals with assists. It seems to be confidence is coursing through his veins a little bit now and he's getting forward more and as you say, yeah, he's been overlapping. But Ryan, you know, there are two things that can that can happen with an overlap. You know, Ryan Fraser can use him or you know, that overlap is a decoy for one of the defenders where Ryan Fraser can cut inside. And that's what he was doing all the time. Um, time. He, he, you know, he rarely, he rarely used him. I think there were a couple of times where I can remember sort of Rico crossing it in. But um, yeah, it just, it just didn't really happen for us. And, you know, Lewis Cook, it was, it was nice to see him back, but performance wise, not one of his best in a red and black shirt.
1: It wasn't, and I I, th- I think you sum it up really well there. When when we look most threatening, and we do look threatening down the flanks, um, it's because we've got pace and we get behind the defence and pull it back. That's, that's the modus operandi of the team, and we just didn't do that at all yesterday. All the crosses were coming from in front of their back four and were easy to defend against, more easy to defend against.
0: Mm, that's right, I mean, for all the work that philip billing did have did have to uh, sort of get on with with um you know fifty percent of a Lewis cook though I would say um he he did well he got voted man of the match, and for me one of the um one of the better players I would say um along with Adam Smith, would you say
1: yeah, I thought uh, actually, I think Ramsdale for that save from Pookie near the end deserves, Agreed, yeah. deserves all the plaudits that was a good stop um other than that. I think we were, yeah, I mean, Adam uh, and Philip Billing, but there, there, there weren't any great standout performances yesterday. Um, and I'm going to throw something at you, um, Sam. I don't think Solanke and Wilson can play together.
0: Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question. How do you solve a problem like Solanke? Have have we been sold down the river a bit from Liverpool? I, I don't quite know. Our previous signings um, that we've had from them, yeah, not the best. But... Um, oh. I'm willing for him to do well and, you know, sometimes you see flashes of really good hold-up play uh, but then there are some very simple errors he makes. Like he did a stupid little flick in the, what was it, the first half where Norwich um, intercepted and then nearly had a goal-scoring opportunity. But yeah, he doesn't combine with Wilson very well at all, does he? And um, it's just it's just not happening for him.
1: Jan Kermigan, he is not.
0: No, no, exactly. And uh, it's a problem. Um, but then
1: Callum wasn't at the races either, you could say. He wasn't really. Um, I think Callum looks like the the player that we had a few weeks ago when he was on that scoring run. His confidence seems to have gone a bit. Hmm. Um, and I just think they're too similar. I think they they don't combine that well. Mm. albeit the one chance you pointed out uh, that Solanke had was a good chance but if he had have scored that I hate to tell you this Sam but VAR would have called that offside because Callum was oh, offside really? Yeah, uh,
0: interesting interesting so, yeah, you know, we you know we huffed and puffed, but, um, you know, we didn't remotely look like blowing the house down. And, you know, the more the game went on, it did look like it was going to be a repeat of the first match of the season against Sheffield United. But I thought that we looked marginally better, though, when Josh King came on.
1: Well, he was the one surprise. I don't think Josh really deserved to get dropped. I mean, I know he'd, he'd had a... a couple of games in the international break as well so maybe he was he was being rested mm. um however uh I actually felt that he combined it he combined better with Rico in previous matches so deserved to to stay there and I don't think Fraser was ripping up trees for Scotland so maybe maybe Ryan should have stayed on the bench and been used as an impact sub mm. I, don't, I don't really understand the
0: yeah I mean obviously he was playing for you know for Norway um but I said to, uh, to the person I was sitting with, I didn't actually know them, myself my own, but I was saying that, you know, this match needs a goal and it doesn't matter which team. It just needed a goal, you know, to open up the game because it was so, you know, tentative during the early stages. But in a way, I would have preferred to see Josh King feature in the first 30 minutes rather than the last 30 minutes because he would have caused some problems uh, much more than, say, Harry Wilson and Ryan Fraser he did. And if we if we were to notch early on, you know, then Norwich would have to come at us and that's when we can really counter-attack teams and, and sort of take advantage. But the fact that we, we didn't score meant that Norwich could sit back, sit back and um it worked more in their favour as the game went on. Um Harry Wilson on the right-hand side, did you have any thoughts oh, of him yesterday?
1: Harry, <laughs> Um I'm not sure that he's as influential as we all want him to be. Mm. And is that down to the position he's being asked to play? Is it just that he doesn't impose himself as he should do on games? Is he a little bit out of his depth? Mm. Um, I'm not sure, really. Uh, It's a bit of a mantra that I've had the last few weeks, but David Brooks come back.
0: Mm. Oh mate, I, I I can't wait for David Brooks to be uh, back in action because he just got that natural, uh, you know, that natural link between the midfield and the strikers, and I've said that so many times. But there's not many players who can just. You know, just drive past defenders with finesse like he does. Um, Really looking forward to seeing him back. And apparently, he's not on the grass yet, but he is in the gym. So it would be great to see him uh, very soon. And then, of course, we had uh, Dan Juma that had a. Uh cameo for about fifteen minutes or so, or maybe it was ten minutes i'm not I'm not sure, but he managed to get a couple of shots away. They didn't exactly test the keeper but um it was quite nice to see him in action and uh, yeah, as I say, two shots, I think that was the most any player had yet he had the fewest minutes
1: so I think Dan Juma deserves a start i think he's he's keen to impress and he doubled our shots on target with you know the the time that he was on the pitch was what fifteen minutes mm. 20 minutes not much at all so uh play him on that left hand side move Fraser over to the right let's let's park Harry on the bench maybe bring Harry out for special teams when we get a, a free kick from 20 yards out or something <laughs> yeah. but I mean
0: you know when all's said and done it was a horrible weekend yet we've moved up a position in the Premier oh. League what what is that all about the results have gone for us so that we're actually now ninth um played nine uh got 12 points on the board but you look over our shoulder and boy is it congested I mean if we if we lose against Watford and then other results go against us we could be down to 16th so I'm not quite sort of buying this optimism that some people are having on Twitter and the forums that hey look at the table we're in ninth it's not all that bad because based on our form at the moment it could be getting very very worse especially you know given Watford's result of the weekend too
1: they played well, and I think they're going to be a handful for us next week. Um, they were unlucky to draw that game at Spurs, and if uh, if I'm honest with you, Sam, I'm looking at the next three fixtures, particularly after seeing United play pretty solidly against uh, Liverpool, yeah. and thinking 12 points, maybe we'll do well to get four
0: well, that's the scary thing. I put out a tweet saying, you know, what's the minimum amount of points returned that you'd be happy with? And people, I think they're sort of consent. I didn't do a poll, but the consensus seemed to be seven points. So um, that means we've got to get a result of Watford and ideally Newcastle. And it, maybe we can see Man United as a free hit, but I don't know. I, you know, they are a team that can be got at, but um, it's it's amazing how quickly the optimism can unravel. And then you sort of look at things with a bit more
1: depth and you think, actually... Are we as good as we think we are? That's a very good question. If you look at that team yesterday and the team that played in the first half against Arsenal, no, we're not. We've got to get the attitude right. And I think he's got to get the the team right for the particular match that we're playing. I didn't work with Lewis Cook and Philip Billing yesterday in midfield. But it worked for us against Everton with the same two. So you kind of scratch your head and think, what is the right midfield combination if Lerma's not playing? And I also think maybe just going next week with Callum up front, let him run the channels, let him just be free up there. Maybe with Josh King just playing off him as a as a sort of uh, free sort of attacking midfielder striker. Uh, the the four in midfield with Lerma and, and Billing back together we might be more solid and we might hit Watford on the break because they'll be up for it and that that's what I'm really nervous about
0: yeah that's right well interesting to hear your thoughts on that Jeff it's 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 been a hard one to sort of work out hasn't it because there's been not an awful lot of um of meat on the bone really but you know we did what we could but We are looking forward to Watford next week. And later in the programme, we are going to be previewing that with the help of Andy Lewis. Uh, You may have heard of him before, he does the Stairway to Seventh podcast. We'll talk more about that very shortly. Now, if you are a fan of an evening with type event, you might be interested to know of something very special happening this Thursday with a certain sporting superstar of the boxing ring from the 80s and 90s, a certain Mr. Frank Bruno. The event is organised by Lashings, which is an organisation actually co-owned and run from Bournemouth, one of whom is season ticket holder James Oakley, massive Cherries fan. Uh, And now Lashings also... ...to not only sporting speakers, but you may have heard of the World Eleven cricket team... ...who tour across the UK and beyond, as well as Lashings FC... ...a football team full of footballing stars who are synonymous with the game. Uh, it's included stars such as Darren Anderton, Matt Leteers, Jamie Hayter... ...Paul Walsh, Russell Beardsmore, Warren Cummings to name but a few. Uh, it's absolutely superb. In fact, I went to one of their cricket events... ...in the summer at Chapel Gate, which was an awesome day. Um, lots of good conversations, good cricket and good beers as well. I had a brief chat with Matt Latiers, and the quizzical look he gave me... ...when I said I supported AFC Bournemouth, I will cherish to my dying day. Remember lads, it is not a rivalry. Tell his face that. Anyway... As the season progresses, you can expect to hear some more announcements from us about their events, including some great speakers who you may well have seen grace the pitch at AFC Bournemouth in a former life. Anyhow, an evening with Frank Bruno is happening this Thursday and it's being held at AFC Totten. It's an event for which there are a few tickets remaining. It kicks off at 7pm and costs just £20. Or for a VIP meet and greet, including a a pie and priority seating, it's £45. There's a Q&A, informal chat, plus there's an auction stroke raffle which raises money for the Macmillan Caring Locally charity. If interested in popping along to the event, you can get your ticket online now by going to afcbpodcast.com forward slash frank. That's afcbpodcast.com forward slash frank. Uh, I know that James, James Oakley, he's also interested in getting feedback from Bournemouth fans of the sporting stars, mainly football, maybe cherries, stars that you wish to suggest could be sporting speakers that you'd like to listen to. If you've got any suggestions, please let us know, get in contact via any of the methods that we always bang on about and we will certainly pass on your messages to him. Now, you may have heard this playing out on the PA system at Dean Court before the teams come out. Um, A lot of people have been questioning what on earth it is on the forum. Someone uh, actually compared it with an air raid siren. We can confirm, we spoke to Mike Botto, we just thought we'd clear it up on the podcast. It's just a looped intro of Kasabian Club Foot. Obviously, it's very difficult to get the timings exactly right. But then when the teams come out, it goes into this. So, at least that's all settled now, right? Watford preview. So, on Saturday, AFC Bournemouth travelled to Vicarage Road for a contest against the maybe newly revitalised Watford. Who knows? It's one of those games where I just don't know what to expect. But of course, Watford, yeah, they'll be you know relatively pleased after their one-all draw with Spurs. And as Jeff said earlier, you know, they could have won it. We caught up with Andy Lewis. He's a Watford fan, but he also does the Stairway to Seventh podcast to hear his thoughts on the season so far and his thoughts about the Cherries' visit.
3: Well, it's obviously been a pretty miserable start to the season for Watford. You know, nine games in. Rock bottom, uh, winless still, uh, and with an 8-0 defeat away at Manchester City just to rub salt into the wound as well. It's certainly not a position that any Watford fan thought we would ever be in um, going into that FA Cup final back in May. Um, Getting rid of Harry Grassier after four games as well uh, didn't really come as a surprise to Watford fans. I think it was more so the timing of the sacking uh, than anything, but uh, I think a lot of opposition fans uh, were sort of taken aback by that decision. Um, but if you look at it from a Watford perspective, we'd gone, I think, th- in our last 30-odd Premier League games, we'd only picked up 33 points. Um, the last two games we had won before having Sacking in the league were against already relegated Huddersfield and Fulham, who we relegated that night. And we hadn't kept a clean sheet since February at the time. Um so a slightly baffling decision, maybe to some opposition fans, but to Watford fans, it actually kind of made a bit of sense. And so in came Kike Sanchez Flores, you know, through the uh, apparent revolving door uh, that Watford have, and people questioning why why has he come back? You know, he uh, he got sacked apparently at the end of his first season back in fifteen sixteen after he kept Watford in the Premier League following promotion uh, and guided us to that FA Cup semi-final. Um, but actually, it kind of made sense. You know, at the time, what Watford desperately, desperately needed um, was a bit of defensive solidity. Uh, you know, you only had to watch the first the first four games, a 3-0 uh, opening day defeat to Brighton, a 3-1 at home to West Ham, the defeat there, uh, to see that Watford's defence was really, really shabby. And whilst the recruitment over the summer defensively was... Uh, in my opinion, really not up to standard with just Craig Dawson coming in from Championship West Brom. Um, It's largely the same squads last season that challenged for a European spot right up until the final few games. Um, So Watford were crying out for some sort of defensive organisation. And we saw that under Kike in his season at Vicarage Road in 15-16 um and the signs have been good since he came back in actually we've in the last two games you know we got a clean sheet against Sheffield United before the international break uh first one since february and then uh this weekend a one or draw away at spurs could have been uh almost should have been three points um had var uh awarded us a penalty and disallowed Spurs' goal right at the end um but any point away to one of those uh, big six sides is a good point in my eyes um, so there has been some signs of progress um, defensively for Watford. If we can match that um, by being a little bit more clinical up front, then I think we're onto to something good. I do think we'll stay in the division. I think we just need that first win to give us that bit of confidence, that bit of momentum to take into the following games. Um, and sadly for us now, that Bournemouth game next week is looking like a, looking like a must-win game. Um, Bournemouth, obviously, a very difficult side. We've had some excellent... Uh, games against the Cherries over the past few seasons Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a close one I think Um, but I think the way Watford have been progressing under Kike sanchez Flores, it gives me a little bit of confidence going into the game next weekend so I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that Watford are going to run out 2-0 winners.
0: Okay, so there we go. Those are the thoughts of Andy. Um, Yeah, great to hear him on the show because I actually always contribute to his podcast every week. Now, if you're an AFC Bournemouth fan, which I would certainly hope you are if you're listening to this, um, he does a podcast called Stairway to Seventh, which is a great little half hour podcast out usually on a Tuesday or Wednesday, but it features, well, All Premier League sides apart from the top six. We're basically talking about the other 14 and he gets fans on every week to discuss uh, their last game and certain points about the season so far. And there is not one mention of Liverpool, Spurs, Man United, Man City, all those top six sides. It's a top six free podcast. So um, do check that out. It's the Stairway to Seventh podcast. And on our Twitter feed, we usually do do a retweet um, on the Tuesday or Wednesday when it's out. But he puts it all together. He is a Watford fan, and uh, yeah, those were his thoughts there. So there is some more, well, more optimism from the Watford faithful, and rightly so. I think they did, you know, fairly well, and you know, given how Bournemouth played against Norwich, Jeff, I, ju- I just don't know what to expect from this one.
1: I really don't. We could have a result like we did last season, which would be delightful, four uh, 0 as I remember, which was one of the best away days we had last season yeah um but Watford are uh struggling for that first victory and I think if you if you see the game against Spurs see the highlights then you've got to be impressed by Decorey and Chalabar uh and Cabaselli it, that midfield is strong so we definitely need Lerma back because I think they'll be up for it and will be attacking us and on the break I think Delefeo is a good player Pereira is a good player. Um, you know, if 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 Deeney plays, I think we'll be in a significant bit of trouble, frankly.
0: Yeah, he always seemed to notch. He always seems to notch against uh, Bournemouth. And um, uh, as you may have recalled, I won't say any score lines uh, from last year. Well, I don't. I won't say the home score line because our do you remember question. Um, if you heard Jeff say a certain number about how many goals we scored there, you are part of the way to solving our unique maths style A. S. C. Bournemouth question this week. Ooh, um, sorry, for, Sam. Do you <laughs> don't you worry, Jeff. Not a problem at all. Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, last year it it was fantastic, but Brooks was the centre of. Uh, uh, the performance last year really wasn't he and uh, it, it would be great to have him back but on the wings what do you think we should go for obviously Lerma in the middle probably pairing with Billing what, what do you think yeah, we should go for?
1: I, I, I'd like to see Dan Juma and Fraser on the flanks uh, I'd like to see King uh, playing sort of just ahead of, of Philip Billing in mm. that midfield and uh, yeah with, um, with Wilson on his own up front and I think I think that'll give us most chance of playing playing a sort of fast break game against them.
0: Mm, yeah, I hope so. And would you stick with the same back four with Smith uh, retaining his position at right back?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the back four's looking solid. I think Rambo's looking really solid behind us. Thank goodness he was on form on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think same back four. Uh, let's just beef up that midfield.
0: Yeah. Okay, so uh, we usually close the show, I mean, with a prediction. Um, What are you going to go for, mate?
1: Well, I I would like to say that I was half right in the Norwich game. As you know, I did predict nil.
0: Yes, (laughs) half Uh, right. That's tenuous, but it's okay. you can have that.
1: Yeah. Um, Actually, this time I'd be happy with a nil-nil. I actually feel we're going to go down um, 2-1.
0: Oh, well, that, that doesn't do many people's points tallies very good. That means that means we've got to get three points against Manchester United. Well, I'm going to be a bit more positive. Um, I can't see us uh, scoring too many. I don't think it's going to be a repeat of the 4-0, but I, I would be happy with a cheeky little 1-0, Jeff. That would be all right, wouldn't it?
1: That would be all right. I, I mean, the boys need a kick up the backside, so hopefully they're listening to this thinking we're going to prove him wrong again.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. And i tell you what, I mean... Had, I don't
0: know about you, but for me, this has been one of the hardest podcasts to do. Um, it was easier doing the defeats against, say, Arsenal and Man City just because this has been, it was just such a lifeless performance, wasn't it?
1: Lifeless, flat, dull, boring. I mean, if you do watch Match of the Day, it's not going to take too long out of your life, Sam. That's all I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I might give Match of the Day, uh, Match of the Day 2 a go, perhaps. But uh, anyway, Jeff, thank you very much for your input. No problem. Thanks, Sam. And now let's round up the show. And of course, that Do You Remember answer. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. So what are we on at the moment? 40 minutes and approaching 30 seconds of content on that Norwich City game. I don't know how we have done it this week. I honestly thought it could be the shortest podcast ever. But that nearly wraps it up. I think I deserve a beer after this. And hey, seamless link, you can too. Um, Beer52.com slash AFCB told you about them beer 52 traverse the globe in order to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet earth has to offer there's an abundance of beer you've never imagined and beer 52 are on a mission to find it and deliver it to their members each and every month by purchasing from them you're going to be helping out the podcast so go to beer52.com slash afcb so here's what happens you go to that link you get 10 free beers delivered to your address all you got to do is just cover the postage £4.95 that is it if you want to carry on you can do it's a subscription service if you don't cancel there and then No quibble, they don't hold you to ransom. But if you go to beer52.com, for the next two weeks, you get two extra bottles of beer free. So you actually get 10 bottles. Beer52.com slash AFCB. Thank you, guys. How seamless am I? Right, do you remember? We did a bit of a question. Hopefully, I've done my Sokotoa correct. Is that what it was when you do... Oh, no, Bodmas. Bodmas, anyway, it's okay. This was just multiplication, and easy for me to say, and then division. So, this is how it went. In the James Hayter fastest hat-trick match, he obviously scored three. How many goals did Bournemouth beat Wrexham by? The answer there was six, and I asked you to multiply that figure by the total amount of goals in our matches versus Watford last season, which was as Jeff alluded to earlier, 4-0 at their place and 3 all at home. So that makes 10. 6 times 10, that's 60. Divide that number by the total number of AFC Bournemouth players who represented England under-21s in their last game, which was... Three. We had Sam Surridge, Lloyd Kelly and Aaron Ramsdale, And they were on the pitch together for about 15 minutes at the start of the second half. So that was really impressive. Nice to see. So 60 divided by three is 20. 20 is the magic number. And hey, you can even multiply that now by the number of Premier League matches where Bournemouth haven't conceded this season. And you still got the same number. Great that we managed to keep a clean sheet. And fingers crossed we can do more of that in future. So there you go. This week's Do You Remember answer was 20. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you popped a review on iTunes or your podcast app. I know many of you hear this bit and think, I'm not going to do it, but it just really helps if you do, even if it's just popping on uh, to click five stars. You can leave some words if you can. That would be great. However you learned about this podcast whether it's on facebook instagram or you know youtube even or twitter be really handy for us if you can just retweet it that would be really helpful and also remember to like us too and also our youtube channel uh we did eight or nine post-match interviews including my nephew ben phillips what a lad so succinct with his player ratings probably gave ryan fraser a bit too high a score there Ben but um, he wants to come on regularly and uh, yeah we're going to get him on and do the player ratings too but anyway thank you very much for listening I hope you have an amazing week and safe travels to Vicarage Road I will be there and more details about post-match interviews can be learned on Twitter and Facebook throughout the week have a good one and I'll see you Saturday up the cherries this has been Back of the Net the ASC Bournemouth podcast
1: Has Elliot moving on ahead, but everything's
2: out to the right. There's nothing in the middle, although Purchase is battling to get there and has Purchase goal.
1: Podcast Network.